We're looking at the book of Isaiah today, and I'm kind of concluding this series of messages on soul care. And uh, one of the things that when you read the book of Isaiah, especially 55, it follows chapter 53, the prophetic picture of Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for our sins, written 700 years before Christ was ever born. The miracle of fulfilled prophecy, the proof that Jesus really is the Messiah. And then as you read chapter 54, you even see the resurrection in there. And then when you come to chapter 55 and what we read just there, there's this tremendous invitation that is given by God for us to come into his presence and to eat with him. And in biblical times, whenever there was a covenant made, there was a meal that was eaten after it. So if you made a covenant with somebody, if you made a promise or an agreement, you usually made it. And then if you actually did a blood covenant, you would then eat the food that was sacrificed, the animal that was sacrificed, you would eat it. And you'd have, it was a feast. It was a great feast. And so in this picture, God is inviting us to come and eat with him. And it's a beautiful picture of God using food as a way to share a spiritual principle that we need nourishment for our souls. And we can't really live in this life unless we are nourished by God and by his soul food. You know, there's so many verses that talk about this. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. There's a picture of taste and see. You know, God could have said, you know, come to me. But he said, taste. I want you to taste. You know, you like food, don't you? I mean, everybody likes food. I like food. Uh, but there's this picture. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so there's a picture always in Scripture of looking at God's word in his presence as something that is like good, delicious food. You know, food and drink are a universal need, aren't they? I mean, if you think about it, uh, I mean, I love good food. And aren't you glad that you're actually able to eat and to taste? I mean, what if God made us like cows, you know? Like, that's all you eat is grass all day long. The same thing. I know some of you would be happy with that, but I would not. I like a variety of food. You know, I like, you know, like I, when I was first uh, in a uh, mostly Asian church, I was invited to seven weddings in one year. Chinese weddings, the Chinese banquet. I memorized the dishes that were coming out. And the one I liked most was the big jumbo shrimp with the toasted uh, walnuts on top and the mayonnaise sauce. I mean, it was, it's fattening, but I, no, man, it's good. But I don't just like Chinese food. I love Chinese food, but I love Malaysian food. Sometimes we've gone out with Hang Chung to a nice Malaysian restaurant. It's delicious. I like Indian food. I also like Polish food. That's my roots, Polish background. I like a good pierogi, fresh, and uh, some stuffed cabbages. Uh, they called it guamki in uh, Polish, but when I was growing up, that's one of the things my mom used to make. And, uh, but, and then when I moved into the city and the inner city, there's soul food. Now, soul food 
that is, uh, that is not healthy for you, but it tastes delicious. And so I remember uh, my last week that we were there in Newark, a couple of the staff and some of the community people, they put on a big dinner for us and they said, Al, we want to make you some delicious soul food before you leave. And so they had the fried chicken. And it, it, this is fried chicken. It's, it's not like regular fried chicken. It's like delicious fried chicken. And then the cornbread and then the collard greens. And uh, it just is, is wonderful. Not good for you, but wonderful. So we all have cravings for good food. And I'm sure you're starting to get hungry. And we will have lunch afterwards. But... Food is universal. It's a thing that we use to talk around and fellowship around. And that's why I think that God places it in the scripture so often to talk about a relationship with him. And so whenever you see in the scripture, there are these metaphors or these counterparts to physical food is spiritual food. And there is this invitation to come and to eat with God and to nourish your soul. So the one thing is, have you ever been invited to a dinner that has most delicious food, but you're not hungry? Or you just ate? Like I remember we went to this wedding and then somebody said, I'm going out. <laughs> it was George, yeah. It was George. We had all this food. We couldn't, we were taking the food home with us because it was, there was so much food there. And then he goes, I'm meeting my son for sushi right now. I said, how are you going to eat? He goes, I don't know. It was so much food there that we had. So sometimes we don't have any room for the food. Even though we like the food, we don't have any room in our stomachs for it because we've eaten so much. Have you ever been like that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you wish you could eat it, but there's no room for it. Well, in the similar way, we have to make room in our souls for God's soul food. Because there's a different kind of food, and our souls are thirsting and hungering for God's soul food. But a lot of times, instead of feeding our soul the Word of God and the presence of God, we try to feed it other things. You know, when we were doing uh, this study on uh, soul keeping in our Sunday school, one of the things that John Ortberg said is, your soul is always hungry. Your soul is always saying, gimme, 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 gimme some more of that. And a lot of times, what are we feeding it when it's saying gimme? Sometimes we're trying to feed it some things from the world, but it's not satisfying that. It's not satisfying to the soul. And so if you're a believer, you have a natural need, a huge hole within your soul to be fed by God, to be satisfied by God. But I'm telling you, if you're like me, sometimes we've stuffed other things in there and we don't have any, we don't even have the appetite for God anymore. We've lost the appetite and the hunger for God's presence. So this is, a, this is a message about staying hungry for God and then being fed by God, the soul food that will be really nourishing. 
nourishing soul food that Jesus offers is integrated into our lives through our relationship with him. So it's not just a behavior thing that you study the Bible or you memorize the Bible. This has to do with more of the Middle Eastern concept of eating. You eat in relationship. You just don't eat alone and... You eat in a relationship with God. And He feeds you, and then there's this relationship that's deepened. The result is a deepened intimacy with Christ, life transformation, and a deeper understanding of God's will for your life. So that's why a lot of times we're... We don't know what God wants us to do because we haven't taken the time to sit with Him and be in this fellowship with Him where we're receiving from Him into our soul and we're also talking with Him. There's a relationship there. So I love that Isaiah 55 verse 1 says this, Come, all you who are thirsty. So first of all, you've got to be thirsty. You've got to be hungry. Come to the waters and you'll have... And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without cost, without money, without cost. There's this invitation that God says, I want you to come into relationship with me, and you can't do this with money. It's not something of your own human effort. This is a gift that I'm giving you. But there is an exchange. The exchange is, You've got to be thirsty. You've got to be willing to receive from God. And so that's, a, that's an interesting concept because in our world, we a lot of times don't have the, the uh, capacity to receive much from God because our lives are so busy. Our lives are so packed with things that we lose the desire for soul food. For the food that nourishes our soul. I mean, we're eating physical food. We're traveling. We're pursuing our careers. We're taking care of our families. We may even have good relationships with people in our families. But our souls are still hungry. Our souls are still hungry. And how could this be? How could somebody have everything in their life and yet... Be depleted in their soul. It happens all the time. Steve DeWitt in his book, Eyes Wide Open, Enjoying God in Everything, makes this observation. Every year, and think about this, every year there are a few shocking celebrity deaths in the world of entertainment that create brief searches for meaning among their fans. You know, like when somebody dies that's very popular, like Prince died, everybody goes, I wonder why, you know, what, what happened to him? Movie critic Roger Friedman expressed his bewilderment that, bewilderment that actor Heath Ledger, while seemingly at the peak of his career, died from a drug overdose in his Manhattan apartment in January 2008. Friedman wrote, it's hard for the average movie fan, including yours truly, to totally grasp why a guy like Heath Ledger, drop-dead handsome, popular, incredibly talented, could be depressed about anything. It's hard to grasp if you don't understand the soul's desire to find meaning beyond good looks, financial security, friends and fame. There is a deeper need in our soul than those things can satisfy. Those things will never satisfy a person 
because God has shaped us and formed us in our soul with a need that can only be met in deep relationship with Him. And when we find that, we really live. And so Isaiah and God, are, they're calling, they're saying there's this invitation, come, all you who are thirsty, and don't fill your life with these things. These things are necessary. I will give them to you, but those are the things that will not satisfy. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear, come to me, listen, that you may live. You see, we're all consumers, aren't we? We're all consumers. We all buy things. We all look out for things. And even our soul is crying out for significance. Even our soul is crying out for satisfaction. But the answer is Jesus Christ. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was asking myself about my relationship with Christ. And I have to tell you, that for me, I've had some wonderful experiences with God where God has really spoken to me in my life and I've seen Him do miracles and I've seen Him answer prayer and I've seen Him use my life. But I want to tell you, I, I, I still have a thirst for wanting God to do something in my life today. And there's times when if I just live on my past experience, my life gets very, very dull, <laughs> very, very, very distant from God. I don't know if that's true with you, but for me, it's so true. I just can go through life without spending time in God's presence and really feeding from Him. And sometimes the rationalization is in my mind is, well, yeah, but you already had an experience with God before. But that's like saying, you know, I ate breakfast this morning. I don't think I'm going to eat for another three weeks. No, you, what, what's going to happen? Unless I'm, uh, you know, really doing this fasting, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to die, right? I think I could, I could go without food for three weeks. That's why I'm, I'm looking forward to this fasting time we're going to be having. But what are, the, what are the enemies that come against us from feeding at God's table? And uh, just this past Friday, we were doing a study about three enemies that every believer faces. It's the world, it's the flesh, and it's the devil. And those three things are always trying to compete with our desire for God. And so you have three, and we were talking as men, we were saying, why is it so difficult for us? And we realized it's three against, it's three against me. But, you know, God is greater than all of three of these, but you have to be intentional on wanting to feed your soul the food and the nourishment that you need to have a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. There has to be some intentionality to that. And then you have to understand, how is my soul actually fed with God? How, how am I actually receiving something from God? And so I started to ask myself some questions. What is it that feeds my soul? 
And that's something that we should each ask ourselves. What is it that feeds your soul? How do you know when you're connecting with God? How do you know when God is actually, actually working in your life and giving you something to receive from Him and it actually nourishes your soul and motivates you to want to serve Him and love Him even more? When does that happen? How does that happen? We need to understand that. Because some people really... Some people, they are fed in different ways spiritually. So what feeds my soul? What helps me get connected to God and His presence? What helps me to hear from God? How do I understand when God is actually speaking something to me? How do you discern that? These are questions that every believer needs to answer if you're going to have a relationship with God, if you're going to actually answer that invitation that God has given us. And then how am I assured of His love so that peace is experienced rather than fear, anxiety, or anger in my soul? A lot of Christians are walking around with fear, with anxiety and worry in this world. And Pastor Peter was just praying for us and, and leading our prayer time. But there are so many things, there's so many things that are disruptive in our world today. But how can a believer feed themselves spiritually and be in a sense of peace and purpose in this world? And it comes from feeding your soul or being fed by God. So what are ways of feeding your soul? Some people, for some people, it's worship. Like, you know, like Jeff is big time worship, right? We know Jeff gets fed by worship. But for some other people, they're like saying, you know, I could take or leave the music. Some people come in, I don't know, maybe they come in late for that reason, you know, like I don't really need, I don't really get a lot out of the music, you know. For me, I, I love worship. I love to be in the presence of God and be in worship. And then I, I express my love to God by singing. And, and that's one of the ways my soul gets fed. Another, for other people, it's prayer. Like they really get, they really intercede. They have this gift of intercession. And I think Pastor Peter has that gift of intercession. He loves to pray. But he also knows that's one way that he feeds his soul. As he talks with God and as he gives his burdens over to the Lord, God begins to speak into his life and feeds his soul. I love to pray with Pastor Peter because there's times when we're like just praying together. We pray together during the week sometimes and we're just, we just walk through the, sometimes we take time and we walk right through this whole auditorium and we're praying for you because we all know where you sit. You know, and we just have a great time. And we say, yeah, how about this person? Let's pray for this person. You know, and then we, just, we don't even talk to each other. We just know, you know, he goes, I go. We have a great time of fellowship, praying. But it feeds our soul because we're, we're, we love you and care about you, but we want to see God work. And when, we, when we're involved in that, there's something that happens inside our soul. So for some people, it's worship and prayer. For other people, it's not that. Some of you, it's studying the Word of God. You love to study the Word of God. And when you're in the Bible and God begins to speak to you, it's like He's feeding you. And some of you have read through the Bible, and that's really great. And others, you say, man, I hate reading through the Bible. 
I can't read through the Bible. I beat myself up to try to read for the Bible. And every time I read the Bible, I'm... It's not feeding your soul. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll read smaller portions of Scripture. Like I'll read one... Today, this, these past, this past month, I'm reading one psalm every morning. Just one. Pastor Al, you don't read more than that? Sorry. Sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, I just read one, but I read it over and I try to see how the Holy Spirit is speaking. I, I, I love the book of Psalms. That's my book, man. That's like, that's like my soul food. That is where I get nourished. You have to discover what it is that feeds your soul. And you go to it. That's your go-to meal. That's like when you're struggling and you're like, you don't feel good. You're, you're out of sync with the Holy Spirit. That's where you go. Go to that place that feeds you. For some people, they turn on worship music and they just sit in the presence of God and they worship the Lord with the worship music. For some, it's walking and observing nature. You just love nature. You just like I don't know if there's some people here. I'm not like this, but I know some people like this. They just love to be out in, outside and the heavens declare the glory of God. And they love to be in nature and they get revived and renewed. And the presence of God shows up when they're talking with God outside in nature. I mean, I love that when I'm by the ocean, I'm walking and I'm looking out at the ocean at a sunrise. That is like, ooh, that is a nice spot for me. So, you know, at the summertime, when we rent a house down at the Jersey Shore, I'm the first one up. I am out the door before the sun rises. And I'm just waiting there for the sunrise and just talking to God and just going, Lord, give me some soul food. You know, so this is a, this is a uh, way of feeding your soul. Sometimes, you know what? Silence and listening to God. Sometimes it's not praying, it's just listening. Getting alone in a quiet room, even for five minutes. Do you know, in our day and age, it is so hard to be silent without our cell phone, without being unplugged, and just being silent in the presence of God and listening to the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, there's been times in my life when that has been so, so hard to do. And you know why it was? It was because I was so busy. And I was, I was always running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And there was no time to stop. Or I felt there wasn't. And when I did stop, my mind was still, shh, was still going. You know, you stop physically, but your mind is still racing. And I think a lot of us have that. And so sometimes it takes protracted times, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, or maybe when we're doing our 21 days of drawing near to God, I want to encourage you to take a half a day, just be alone with God and discover what really feeds my soul. Lord, would you teach me? Maybe I'll read a psalm. Maybe I will walk, take a walk. What, you, know what, you know what feeds your soul. And if you don't know, try to discover what that is. And then fasting. Fasting is, fasting, really? Don't eat food? Yeah. Because the beautiful thing is the counterpart 
to natural food is spiritual food. And so if you take an intentional time, I'm going to skip a meal, or I'm going to skip two meals. Sometimes people skip for three days, just liquids. Just drink liquid. Don't prepare food. And you use that time to come into the presence of the Lord and you say, God, I need some soul food. I'm putting away physical food so you would feed my soul. That is a discipline that people have done throughout the Bible for generations after generation to generation. There's some people in their Christian life, they've never fasted. And, you know, if you have a physical problem, I don't want you to fast. But if, you, if it's just like, I really can't go without food, you don't know. When I don't eat, that's all I think about is eating. Yours truly, that's the same way with me. But, you know, it gets to a certain point where you're saying, okay, I've got, I gotten through that. Yeah, there is a hunger, hunger pains. But it's saying, whoever is thirsty, whoever is hungry, come to me and let him eat. And that's a picture of being fed by God. What feeds your soul? So Isaiah goes on to say, and he says, I want to make an everlasting covenant with you. God is saying, I'm God, I want to make this covenant with you like I made it with David, and it's going to last forever. And the beauty of coming in into, into a relationship with Christ is that there is an assurance there. There's a sense that God has me in his hands. There's, I don't think there's anything better than that. You're talking about we're living in a day and age of insecurity and fear and terror and what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. There is nothing greater than understanding and knowing that God has you in his hands and he loves you. But that comes by coming to God and being fed by him. Now, I'm not going to go into this verse in detail, but I want to go to what Jesus, what happened with Jesus in this John chapter 7. Because this was the Feast of Tabernacles. Our Jewish synagogue is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles this week. Jeff Siegel talked about the Feast of Tabernacles. It's when you build a house and you tabernacle with God in the wilderness. It was a picture of the people wandering around in the wilderness and having to build a tent and live in a tent. But then the presence of God was there during the day in a cloud, and at night it was a pillar of fire. And so there was this picture that God was dwelling with them or tabernacling with them. And so there's this picture of Jesus on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it lasts a week. On this last day of the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Do you know what happened in the wilderness whenever they had a time when they were in the desert? What did Moses do? What did Moses do when they were thirsty? That's right. He banged down the rock and the water came out. The, the living, fresh water came out of the rock. And then one other time, he was told by God, I want you to speak to the rock and water will come out. And Moses said, he took his staff and he hit it instead of speaking to it. You know, And we know that Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land because of that, because he disobeyed God, but he was also... 
taking glory from God because if he just spoke to it, everybody would know it was God that brought the water. Now Jesus is saying, I want you to come into relationship with me when you're thirsty, when you're in a desert, when things are not going well. I want you to come to me and drink from me and ask me because I have promised through my Holy Spirit rivers of living water that will flow in you just like the water came from the rock. I want to bring water into your life and fill you with my presence. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so we say this promise of the Holy Spirit to feed our soul. So we're not just doing this on our own. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, is going to feed your soul and teach you how to have that relationship with Him. On hearing the words, though, when Jesus stood up and said this, and you've got to imagine Jesus shouting this out, you talk about an embarrassing moment could have been an embarrassing moment, right? He stands up. On hearing this, some of the people said, surely this man, he's a prophet. Anybody has the guts to say that, it's got to be a prophet. Others said he's the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? I mean, this is, this is Jesus. He came from Galilee. He's from Nazareth. There's nobody. The Bible doesn't say that. And so they doubted him. And thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. And what I'm saying is that every day of our lives, we're making choices about, do we want to really follow Jesus? I mean, think about it. Do we really want to know him intimately? Do we want, really want him in control of our lives? It's kind, of, it's kind of a disturbing question at times because if we're honest with ourselves, we want Jesus to show up in an emergency when we really need him. But do we want him walking with us daily? But when we taste and see that he's so good, yeah, we want him. And I know you want him because you wouldn't be here today if you didn't. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. When we look at what Jesus is saying here, what God is saying here through the prophet Isaiah, He's saying that, and I love this verse, this last verse, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. God's ways are so much more loving and gracious than our ways. That's what this is saying. He's saying, I'm preparing a table for you, and you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't do enough to get it, except come to me. It's grace. It's mercy. It's full. It's the richest affair. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And God yet gives that to us. His thoughts 
are so much higher. His ways so much greater. His mercy so much more than ours. And he gives that to us. There's this one other picture of Jesus eating with us. It's in the book of Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. And it's a picture of the church in Laodicea. And they are a church that is neither hot nor cold. They're lukewarm. And Jesus, it says, comes to them, the church, and he rebukes them because they're neither cold nor hot. They're lukewarm. They're kind of like in between. They have no desire. They've lost their love for God. They don't have a hunger for him. And you know what he says at the very end to this group of people? He says, here I am. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Has that ever, you know, this, this is what happens to me when I am, I am uh, in need of soul food. When I'm in need of the presence of God. There's this, I don't know if you ever have this. There's this gnawing sense that there's something wrong. You know, there's just, I'm just not connecting with God. And I'm not hearing his voice. I'm not experiencing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life the way that I know I should. Or the way that I've seen other people have. And so there's this knocking. And God is saying, I want to come in. Would you open up the door? Would you open up the door? What are some action steps that you can do about this message? One, open up the door of your heart through confession and repentance. One of the things that we do, we have to say, God, I have no appetite for you right now. I want to be hungry. I want to take the time to have this relationship with you. I need this in my life. And that's usually through confession and repentance because something has taken the place of your love and your hunger for God. Something has taken the place in our lives for that. And so we have to recognize that, name it, and confess it to God. And then begin to feed our soul. Be intentional on feeding our soul. We have to make time for this. It's not an option. I know everybody's busy, but you've got to carve out some time to be fed by God. I mean, I love to cook. I love to bake. I just made some oatmeal cookies, man. They were, they were good. But you know what? I, and I told Lori, I said, she goes, you're going to, it was 9 o'clock at night. She goes, I said, I'm going to make some cookies. You're going to make some cookies? Yeah, I'm going to make some cookies now. And so I made them, and I made them in 42 minutes. And I said, it only took 42 minutes. I made the cookies. But you know, sometimes that's all it takes is a half an hour of doing something to feed your soul, to take some time. Why? Because I had, a I had a craving for oatmeal cookies. You know, and I have a craving, let's have a craving for God. And let's feed ourselves spiritually. Begin again today and each day to feed your soul. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. Let me close in prayer for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you've made us in such a way that we have desires, that we have appetites,
that we want to consume. But Lord, we want you. We want your soul food. We want something that is going to nourish our souls in such a way, Lord, that we are revived and strengthened and we have a greater capacity to understand you, understand what you want for our lives. So, Lord, I pray that you would empower us, teach us how to feed our souls from your word, from your presence, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.